0: Welcome to the Recon Podcast. In today's episode, I talk with Pete and Sean from Regulation. We talk about rubber in terms of how to choose, clean, and store it, the crazy things people have asked them to make, and we also peek behind the changing room curtains to see just how much of a helping hand you get when you're trying gear on.
1: Tight and shiny for a special event? Want ideas for your next session? At Regulation, we're stocking thousands of products,
0: including leather, rubber, toys, electro restraints, and playroom furniture now shipping worldwide or get free UK shipping
1: when you spend over £25, visit our London store or shop online at regulation.co.uk. Regulation. Kink.
0: Delivered. Welcome to Season 2 of the Recon Podcast. In our first episode of the new season, I chat to the guys from Regulation London. We know and love them for the fantastic rubber gear they make, and they're actually sponsors of Season 2. So I thought it would be a great idea to get them on, as you'll be hearing more from them throughout other episodes. Um, maybe I should clear something up for our listeners. Regulation really do a lot more than just make rubber. Both the online store and the brick and mortar store are located in London, Soho, um, and they cater a lot to uh, fetish uh, gear and play needs as well. Today we're going to talk about the history of the brand and hopefully get some behind the scenes secrets on just what goes on at the workshop where they make that amazing gear. And we'll also try to find out just how much of a helping hand you get when you're trying on gear at the Soho store. Um, We also want to know what does the future hold for the brand? And I especially want to know what kind of new rubber gear is coming out. So my guests today are Pete, who's the director, and Sean, the store manager. Guys, welcome to the Recon Podcast. We say good morning. We're recording this super early in the morning, listeners. So good morning, guys. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. <laughs> um, so we just say you guys have carved a pretty good niche for yourselves in the fetish kink gear market. Um, and before I dig into my little interview, uh, would you just take a second to introduce yourselves and just tell us who you are and what you do?
2: Hi, so I, I'm Pete. Yeah, I'm one of the, um, one of the three directors of uh, regulation and, and I sort of, uh, I do, do a lot of things <laughs> because we're quite a, a relatively small company. Um, we sort of all get stuck in all kind of areas. My, I tend to focus more on the kind of technical side, the online side, um, more marketing kind of things like that and, and looking at kind of trends and um, where we are kind of going to go in a, in a future direction.
1: Yeah. So, hey, I'm Sean. I'm I'm the store manager. I've been managing the store for about three years now. Um, I manage all the staffing, all the merchandising of the store, just the daily uh, goings on in the store, making sure all the customers are happy, that sort of thing.
0: Okay, so I'm guessing uh what I definitely want to come back is to the point about uh, making customers happy. I'm sure this is something <laughs> a lot of people want to listen to. Um, so let's uh, say some of us were fortunate enough to have gone through the little Fernando's hideaway, I call it, uh down the alleyway and ringing the bell um, to be led into the discreet entrance of the little Aladdin's cave of kink and fetish when you were located uh, in Islington. Um, I actually love that store. And I'll admit I've definitely... Um, one of those people who may have had a little bit of fun behind the changing room curtains. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure I'm probably not the only one who may have uh, done that. Um, we know the store has moved. Um, so tell us about some of your um, fondest memories or, of the Islington store. I think, Pete, you've been there a long time. So what do you remember? Uh, what are your best memories of the Islington mm, store? Well, I mean, I, uh,
2: I, I remember my first visit really as a, as a customer before I ever ever worked, um, not regulation. So it was sort of, um, for me as a student exploring London, um, for the very first time coming across, uh, a store that seemed so hidden away, bit, it seemed a bit illicit. You know, the idea of, of buzzing in, um, was, was quite scary for me as a young, uh, gay guy exploring my kink. So it was quite exciting for me initially. And I think, um. Well, I still is, but but you know, that initial uh waft of rubber when you when you came in was always really um exciting uh whenever I, I got the chance to, to go. Um so I think I think just because it sort of it it sort of had had got grown up, you know, it grew up in the 90s and then and then it kind of um, moved into the internet era and it was just sort of at that time when there, was lot, there were lots of odd one-off things that had sort of been been put into the store because they were just trying new things at the time. So uh, it, it was very, um, very interesting to kind of see all this stuff in one place, uh, which is quite unique for someone coming from, uh, you know, suburbs effectively into the big city.
0: <laughs> uh, so, Sean, I'm guessing that you, at the time you came in, Was that store still open or did you come in just at the start of moving to Soho?
1: Yeah, so I came in about six months before the move, so it was all uh, very early days for me at the time. Um, Probably some of my favorite memories in that store was uh, being introduced to all the regular customers, to be honest. Just seeing how enthusiastic everyone was about Kink and the brand and everything. It was really nice to see so many cheery faces right when you start. You know, it was a really um, welcoming environment from the staff and the customers really. And I remember doing my first uh, made-to-measure appointments in there as well. It was a little bit uh, nerve-wracking to start with, you know. Um, But yeah, it all went well. And it was a really nice experience for the short time that I was there.
2: I think really also sort of, for me, um, you know, effectively that store was a box with things inside that were, had been, you know, old fixtures that had been there for so many years. And I I really enjoyed um, playing around with that, um, with the director Christian and I would be sort of we'd, we'd be moving things around reconfigure them in every possible which way we could to try and make it look fresh painting walls painting ceilings um so it was a really good opportunity just to be creative and try new things um but kind of make the most of of what we'd had for so many years uh and move it around so you know really and then, then kind of moving forward to the kind of move to Soho and that and that sort of side of it it gave us an opportunity to do it from the ground up
0: yeah I mean I, I have to say that I kind of the Soho store is really beautiful, but I kind of miss the old grungy feel of the old place, you know, and, and walking in and there was a kind of a fun element to digging through stuff and pulling stuff out of boxes and finding these little treasures of bits of gear and accessories and toys and things. Um was it, I mean, what was it that brought about the move to Soho? after so many years. I mean, really, um, like, like a lot in of things,
2: place. it just, it comes down to property development and, you know, different, uh, you know, rent, rents going up and then redevelopment. So, they, so that, that whole area where the store was um, has now been redeveloped into luxury apartments and soon to be offices, I believe. Um, and it just means that, you know, when, when you start from scratch somewhere new, you have to start thinking about things to the eyes of the local authorities licensing and all these sort of things. Um, and having that kind of, um, you know, mm-hmm. exciting mix of you know random things in a bin. Um, is it is really f- like fun as a consumer? But it becomes less um possible when you have you know a, a new, uh, kind of. Oh wow! Well, but basically, we, we just have to do things in a slightly more commercial way now that, than we used to, just because that that's how things have moved a bit. And I absolutely have uh, I've heard you know customers um also say what, what you're saying. You know, they liked that sort of you go in. It was down a side street. Um, you know. Things uh, were kind of a bit one-off and a bit different, but but ultimately, um, unfortunately, you know, there's only so much we can do now with the way things are going. If if we have a product, we have to think about how we how customers can buy that product when they're not physically in London, when they're not physically in the store because they're going to want that item anyway. So we have to think, well, how many can we get? How do we list it? You know, that's all that sort of stuff. It's just the modern yeah. way that retail works, and uh, I, you know, there's always it'll always be a certain fondness for me uh, thinking about the store, and there's certainly the challenge is to try and maybe for us go ahead and try and inject some of that excitement in in new ways and that's certainly something that we we would like to work on on further but um it just just seems to be the way that that kind of retail sex retail specifically adult retail is, is gone that that sort of you know beaded curtain and you know sort of <laughs> a wall-to-wall um porn dvds or vhs uh it, it's just sort of going because of the internet and as much as we kind of have be fond of it it's just not what how majority of people
0: kind of are starting to want to shop and I know that you know that when it moved you guys also like split um I guess a lot of people probably did not know if unless they actually went there that the Islington location was actually where your workshop was also based and then of course when you moved you know those Two things split and separated. So the store went downtown and then the workshop went East London. And I remember my very first piece of rubber gear I had made, which was back in 2006 actually, was actually, was it 2006? Maybe even before, I think maybe 2005, was actually made by someone at regulation. And I remember I took in, my favorite thing was this little wrestling singlet I had. And I took this wrestling singlet in, and I remember having a chat with, I think it was Nick was there at the time and he challenged me. I said, I'd like to this in rubber. And he goes, well, I think I can do it. He says, but please don't tell me you want it in black because black is just so boring and outdated. And can we just choose another color? And I was thinking, oh my God, what does he mean another color? And this was actually, so my first piece of rubber was not black. It was actually blue. It was like a baby blue with a white Mm. trim. So my, and of course I couldn't wait, you know, to sport it out at my first event. So I think, What a lot of, and it was interesting walking into that store, to that space, you know, and always for me, like the Mm. consumer, you know, like sticking my head around the corner and actually seeing my gear being made. Um, So, I mean, like. Tell us about, uh, the warehouse and, you know, what goes on and like where the rubber comes from. Cause I can imagine walking in and being completely overwhelmed by the smell of rubber. Um, maybe getting high, you know, by the smell of people sitting <laughs> around working with glue, you know, and people want to know like, okay, what is it like in the workshop? Is everyone sitting down wearing gas masks? Yes. Everybody, you know, what's, wears what's happening full in the time, workshop? What does, they, what's it they, like back then? They don their
2: S10 gas masks. All day, they clock in. Like, yeah, no. Uh, and, then, and then they go into to sleep. No, it, it, It's, it's, it's. it's um, <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that it's something um, that isn't exciting. It is. It's just because it is. It's, it's something that we do every day. We kind of just take it for granted, you know. And, and um, but it, it is. You know, so, so we moved away from uh, our workshop and our, our warehousing away from our Islington um, location just before we moved the store because you know our, our online. Um, store was changing we were at the time just just fulfilling orders from the, from the store so if you ordered from us online we would physically you know go to the shelf on the shop and we'd put it in into a box or an envelope and ship it off Well, that that kind of became a little bit unsustainable um and and also we just were finding um that we didn't have the space to to make all the, all the rubber that we wanted to do so um yeah we, we, we moved to kind of northeast london um to a, a kind of uh a, you know a modest size kind of Warehouse area where we we effectively have a, a large space, uh, lots of benches, and we'll be making everything there from from um, leather with machines to um, you know who we call rubber technicians. Uh, those are the guys who will be ma- you know um, cutting the rubber, making the rubber, um, and you know it's it's just quite a, a kind of busy, visually busy environment. Lots of stuff going on. Um, it's you know, but ultimately everybody is just kind of you know. <clears throat> doing doing what 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 they're very good at they, they it always amazes me i don't have the, the the patience or the ability to join a seam gently and, and it, it is something it is something that definitely you either have it or you don't have it um, I don't have it. um but, but it, it's something that um we've kind of managed to yeah just refine the process there isn't a really um there isn't a sort of how to guide and how to make rubber in, in the kind of scale that we do. You kind of have to over time uh, scale it up. And Jason, um, our workshop manager has done a really good job of yeah. sort of optimizing what we do. Um, so now we make more and more rubber, um, sort of, uh, for, for stock as well as doing it custom so that we can actually uh, deliver it. Uh, to customers quicker. Um, and then our warehouse is just like a standard warehouse really, but it's not, you know, certainly not the Amazon, um, scale, but it, but it, it is, it is, you know, a fair amount of a rows of shelving and, and guys who are, you know, <laughs> acting, acting desks. um, but it, I would say that it's like, you know, there's a lot of standing, there's a lot of moving about the whole, the whole of our kind of production and, and warehousing is quite a, an active, um, kind of, uh, fast paced environment.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to pop in there once before and I have to say it, it was uh, pretty impressive. Um, and it just looks so well organized and coordinated, you know, even though like there's rubber everywhere and, you know, everyone's working and busy doing with it. It's, uh, it's, it looks really, really, really cool. That's something I probably wish more people could see. Um, sorry, folks. I saw it before you did. Um, <laughs> so on the, on the other side of it now, we then get to the retail bit. So, Jason you um uh, sorry I'm going Sean <laughs> Sean you are now managing the store in the middle of London's neighborhood, in the middle of Soho um <laughs> what is it like being in Soho compared to Islington and what's a typical day in soho like mm-hmm. um well it's uh, quite a uh,
1: fast-paced environment compared to angel we had a lot of people um coming out specifically to angel there wasn't a lot of people just like walking around like popping in because they were out for drinks but in soho obviously because there's a lot of bars there's a lot of restaurants uh there's a lot of gays they're all in soho so they all just pop in when they're out uh, so it makes for like a really friendly environment um it's great for after work drinks as well that's very handy Um, We do find it is quite a lot busier. Um, Very, very busy in the afternoons as well. Um, So in the mornings normally, um, we try to take advantage of the the quieter periods. So we do uh, all the leather alterations, all the rubber alterations at the back, all the repairs, that sort of thing, Um, all the cleaning, all the stock takes, some of the more boring admin work in the morning.
0: Wait a minute, so you do alterations at the Soho store as well?
1: We do some,
0: yeah. I did not know that. Listeners, you've heard it here as well. (laughs) They do rubber and leather alterations and repairs at the Soho store. Because people have asked, you know, where can I get something done? I had no idea. So now we know we can get repairs done at the Soho store. Okay, carry on, carry on. It's
1: mainly things like hemming and small uh, small repairs like that, but we are working on expanding that in the future yeah and um, so in the afternoons yeah it becomes a lot busier in the afternoons it's all about serving customers uh helping people find the right outfit for a big night out advising them on the ranges and the services that we offer um and on the weekend this differs though because it is a lot busier on the weekends as you can imagine on the friday nights and the the saturday afternoons when all the parties are going on all the events and um, we get a lot of customers in uh, who need outfits done and we do a lot of made to measures uh, in the afternoons as well which is definitely some of the uh, one of the more fun parts of the job, discussing the orders with the customers and finding the right suits for them and designing them all. People can get uh, really creative with that. So, Being
0: in the middle of Soho, and especially considering from where you're located in Bateman street, you know, there's, you have bars all around, lots of foot traffic. So a crazy busy weekend, lots of people drunk and staggering about. Um, do you ever get people like wandering in and thinking like, whoa, where the fuck have I just walked into? Oh, all the time.
1: <laughs> Definitely a lot more than angel. Definitely. you know, in angel, it was down the little back alleyway. So not a lot of yeah. people were just walking about, but yeah, as you said, there's loads of bars on Bateman street or well, right off the corner of Dean street and Compton street as well. Um, so, yeah, we do get a lot of people wondering in. Uh, we get a lot of first timers, which is always fun explaining the products to the new people and seeing the enthusiasm on their face and just the, the amazement of all the things that we do. Um, you get some interesting questions in there. Um, but, yeah, we do get a lot more walk-ins, definitely.
0: So at the store, now, as I mentioned previously, I mean, you can tell us or you can like hint at us or something else. <laughs> I, I, have, I have more than once. Had the opportunity to have a fumble behind the curtains of that Islington store, mm-hmm. Um, and it was good. There was there was lots of space when you were helping someone <laughs> to try some gear on. You know, so I would kind of, have friends come to town. Like, where can I get gear? Let's go to regulation. I take them in. Of course, you're helping them on. And I mean, rubber's really tight, and sometimes you just have to get your hand down there when you want to help someone to, of you know, pull it up <laughs> and get something on. And you just. Get a little involved, and then things start getting a bit touchy feely. Does any of that go on in Soho? Pete, you don't have to listen. (laughs) You you can mute Pete on this side. Let's just say we do have a hands-on
1: approach to helping the customers <laughs> with this kind of thing. So uh, we we do our best to help
0: the customers. So it's always about making sure the customer leaves satisfied. Of course, and of course the best one, experience.
2: If you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can I uh, remind really? the uh, speaker back on now? It- <laughs> yes,
0: you can. Go right ahead. You can uncover it. ears. Yes. Uh, so we've... I think, um, you know, working for the Recon brand, we try to work with a lot of different people. And I think we've worked really well with you guys for a number of years. And we've been fortunate enough to have you guys make a few pieces of some very sexy kit for us, for the brand team. Um, And all, you know, not necessarily uh crazy or risque, but all very nice and kind of classy. And that's always been really fun and interesting. Um Are there... I would imagine you've had people who've come either into the store or written in or emailed or sent in requests for something that they want made. What are some of the crazy or interesting things people have asked you guys to make for them? Well,
1: one of the ones that I had wasn't something that we were being estimated. It was actually for a repair for something. Um, and a gent brought in a full cat suit with a full-sized working urinal attached to the front of it, which was very impressive. It was a feat of engineering,
2: to
0: say the least. Fantastic. you we've seen <laughs> lots of crazy, yeah. lots of crazy. I,
2: I mean, we... Um... I, I'm always amazed, to be honest. Uh, you know, it's, it's occasionally I will walk into the uh, into the workshop and I'll see something uh, quite fantastic being made. And and I, I I do remember it was quite a few years ago now, but um somebody ordering, um, a inflatable sleep sack that was made out of bright bubblegum pink, and it was. I mean, it's usually <laughs> the inflatable things that are always amazing the most. Um, and I remember that the. Um, The person making this was having to take breaks every 20 minutes because the the sheer amount of fabric that was bright pink was actually starting to um, just become too much for them to look at continuously. Um, (laughs) And I think, you know, it it was about creating some kind of uh, bondage experience. It was also, you know, um, kind of extreme and bright and and a little bit sort of... um, I guess humiliating for them at the time, but but ultimately uh, we get we get all sorts of and, and they're quite they're quite um, they they're usually um, something that's very a very unique kink or fetter to that person that isn't perhaps as universally. Um, uh kind of shared so that we can think, oh that that's kind of crazy and wacky. But yeah. the more you kind of think about it and the more you kind of get these requests occasionally you think, oh yeah, I can see I can see why this is becoming a thing. Um so so there's yeah. it's they're kind of like little windows into people's own um kind of novel kinks that's that can become kind of more interesting yeah. more mainstream. So I'm always very interested to see what comes up. And sometimes I'm like, I I don't want to kind of, because also sometimes you talk about them and people will be like, oh, that was my thing. So I don't want to talk too much about about what we get. But but, but certainly there are quite a few (laughs) interesting, especially when it comes to appliques, you know, people have a particular kink identity that, them is kind of exciting and thrilling, and they will want to be very public about that on the back of a suit or the back of a garment. Um, and you walk, you know, I walk past the bench and i am be like, Gosh, that's quite on the nose. Um, but but uh, but you know, that <laughs> it thrills me that people can be so candid and open in the right setting, uh, about their kind of kinks and what have you. Okay. So, uh, those are the kind of things that can be the kind of craziest to me and the kind of most shocking, but also the most exciting,
0: yeah, I mean, one good thing that I think we all love about rubber, especially is that it's um, you know, a material that you work with which is really, very flexible. Um, is there such a big divide between people who just want traditional black and people who decide that no, they're breaking away from black and they want something in the most outrageous or extreme color.
2: So, so, you know, I, I have to, you know, full disclosure, I am a, I'm an all black kind of, kind of guy. I, I, um, tend I, you know, I I occasionally, you know, we'll, 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 break out into some some you know flash of color here and there but, but usually for me it's more about it's more about form and what the rubber itself is sort of representing um, but it, but there's just different tribes like, like a lot of our kinks and and, and there they often fall into sort of categories and tribes that can overlap but that they are they have their own particular um, signifiers for, for why we like them and, and what, what we're into so Of course there is a very much a kind of um you know very bright colorful suit the the pup scene certainly would be very much more interested in uh you know their particular colors that they like their color combinations those suits that sort of thing Mm -hmm. um and i think i think because people are now you know with with with, i mean it's been around a while now but with the internet and and as sort of exploring our kink openly is about standing out being different um whereas i think traditionally it was a bit more about you know this this kind of taboo thing behind closed doors and black rubber whilst was kind of more mainstream and more available than than coloured um, latex. Um, was just the kind of thing you went to. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I think there's still very much a market for the plain black cat suit. Um, but I but I just I just think now we can we can coexist in, in, a, in a in a you know multi-coloured, multi-tonal world uh, and yeah. and have the full black gear and then also have something <laughs> a bit kind of more out there and crazy. Uh, well, crazy. You know, three colours. Gosh, too many.
0: Sean, how do you how do you guys in the Soho store deal with the demand for color when people come down there? Um, well, normally we have a, a
1: big collection of swatches that we show uh, the customers um, and we just talk about it with them. We talk about what uh, everything means. We ask them like what their preference is, where they want it, that kind of thing. Um, and then we just uh, pop down all the notes, discuss the prices with them, and then we can mm. get in contact with uh, Jason, the production manager as well, uh, who is always available for uh, advice when we need it.
0: Okay. Maybe you guys can help uh, explain something to me. When people talk about rubber, they talk about textures. And I think I know that if I'm buying something, sometimes I like feeling the fabric and look at the color and sometimes the feel of the fabric or the feel of the material is going to basically, the feel of the rubber is going to really determine one how it fits me and two how i move in it um when people looking for something how do we or how do you guys explain like what a gauge is what the the gauge of rubber is you know in terms of thickness how do you explain this to let's say the beginner our 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 beginner our listeners want to know how thick should their rubber be or how thin should it be
1: Well, uh, in store when I'm doing the made measures, normally what we saw on is either um, a 0.45 or a 0.5 grade rubber, which is just the standard. Most of our stuff is in that. It gives you like a really streamlined look and it fits you really well. It's very um, snug and it gives you a lot of um, like flexibility as well. Um, if you want to go up, we do 0.6, which is a little bit thicker. It's a bit more harder wearing as well. So, uh, for example, if you're used to uh, having a bit too much fun and uh, breaking your rubber, you know, putting holes in it, tearing it, that kind of thing, the 0.6 is good for that because it still gives you that flexibility, but it is a bit more harder wearing. Um, and then 0.7 and 0.6 is generally quite thick. So, for example, our bib braces are the 0.8. Um, and some of our like jackets and some of the heavier jeans and stuff are about 0.7, 0.8 as well, but not the full suits because the full suit would kind of be too constraining. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't sit right either. It would be a bit too thick, so when you'd move, you'd see it like bunch up in certain places. Um, very good for hoods, like the smaller pieces. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah. So we normally recommend if you're going for like a full suit cast, you probably go for like the 0.5 or the 0.6.
0: I think it's because I know that, that there's always, I'm guessing, let's say if I'm ordering this online, you know, I don't really know what I'm getting. I have a picture in my mind, but I know what I'm getting and I will really get it, you know, when it arrives. And I know that you guys just recently like launched the new website. How's that going, by the way?
2: Yes, yeah, it's going well. I mean, usual teething issues you have with all these things um <laughs> but uh, yeah we're, we're over, over the hub now so lots of lots of things to improve
0: so if i'm ordering something can i just go into the website and like is there something that i can put all my measurements in and everything else and then have something done bespoke this way can i do that online as well
2: yeah i mean it's, uh, so um we're not quite at the stage yet where you can just put all your measurements on it will ping you at the exact size that you need um because unfortunately that because we're we're making uh, clothing that is just so form-fitting it is quite yeah. a difficult um difficult thing to, to give someone an exact fit you know normally with, with garments there's a certain amount of of you know flow and uh, that you get for something yeah, a t-shirt can fit two people in a different way but still fit um with latex it, it can be be quite difficult to get that exact same fit for everybody Um, but we do now I think last year again the year before we introduced um, our full range of heights um, from from most of our cat suits now from sort of extra short uh, kind of my kind of height all the way you know up to extra tall and that just increased the number of standard sizes we could offer Um, and so um, generally speaking off the peg we can suit most people, and you can look at our kind of quite advanced charts to find the, the most um, uh, the, the kind of the best best fit with your measurements. But it, it is a challenge actually for us really to be able to create the best way to get to get the best fit from home remotely, um, and that's definitely something we want to increase um, really because yeah, it is difficult. You're buying something, um, you're not entirely sure it's going to fit. But you know we do offer um, you know obviously returns for, for, for everything you know, um, and ultimately if something doesn't fit off the peg, then we will do an exchange for you. That's not a problem. Um, And and also like with custom measurements as well, um, we are going to launch, um, so we do our in-store fittings. So you can obviously book a fitting in store, but we also are gonna launch um, fittings online. um, So it'll be a video call and um, one of our our workshop team will be able to just go through the measurements for you. If you don't feel comfortable taking them yourself, they'll talk through it with you. Um, So you can then get a custom fit garment and specifically with custom fit garments, if there's a problem with it, we'll obviously then correct it as an issue, um, which we don't find too often, but it just just gives that extra bit of reassurance that you're gonna get the best fit uh, for the item that you're really, really looking forward to to trying on.
0: I wanna ask a few quick fire questions just before we trail off at the end. Just three, four very quick questions uh, for each of you to answer. Um, Okay, here we go. Are you ready? When you're choosing your rubber, polished or unpolished? Polished. Polished. (laughs) Black or color? Black. Black. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Trainers, boots or wellies? Boots. Boots. Oh,
2: <laughs> not, seriously! Not, not, not of, uh, originality here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it Such for me, like kink, the convention of kink is is in itself a bit of a kink for me. Yeah. You know, being having a uniform, being part of something, uh, is, yeah. is is for me personally an important thing. So it can be quite easy to do. oh, it's all the same, but that's kind of the point for
0: me personally. That's quite traditionalist. I kind of like it. Okay, um, first piece that someone should buy
1: oh Ooh. it's a different one difficult one i mean i would go with the catsuit i was definitely. about to
2: say an investment in a catsuit is it's the thing it, it it covers all bases literally and if you're into it, rubber there's just usually something that is really nice about wearing something that just is fully exactly covering.
1: and you can you can customize them as well you can do a lot with a catsuit as well Ooh!
0: I always, you know, if somebody asks me, what's the first thing I should buy? I always think a surf suit because it's somewhere like halfway between. And if you decide and that on, it's not you for you, you, you haven't spent a home. project. There's
2: just no, no halfway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I, I do know what you mean. I just, to be honest, my first rubber piece, which I still have, is, uh, is a surf suit um for sure but i think that was because it was discounted and it just happened to fit me um and it would ease my way in so yeah perhaps we're talking about it more from a kind of you know years Mm -hmm. of of being into gear and like catsuit or nothing yeah. but but yeah I, I think i think you're probably right uh or i or kind of like uh a wrestling suit again very accessible because it's easy yeah. it's not too mm-hmm. not too like difficult to put on you can still go out and feel good and be clubbing and that kind of thing
0: so mm-hmm. i'm guessing you answered my other question which was going to be what is the one piece that everyone should own
1: yeah it would be catsuit, right? <laughs> <laughs> why catsuit
0: why catsuit
1: uh, as people say it covers all bases really um there's there's a lot that you can do with it it's really nice it's a great look it's really sleek um yeah it's really the standard thing that we do it's a lot for what we're known for as well definitely
0: would you agree pete
2: yeah i mean for, for me it, it's that it's that kind of it's quite a versatile into to the extent that it's it's a play garment it's the kind of thing where if you're into kind of sex then obviously a cat suit generally is is one of the things you might uh, kind of incorporate more but also I have to say having been to some clubs you know in Germany and seen a sea of you know attractive men all wearing full, catsuits, there was nothing quite like that. And I, I have to say it is just something that I I still think is is very special to kind of the, the rubber scene.
0: And I think one thing we should, and I said this previously, one thing we should remind people is that you do more than just rubber. You also make leather and I mean, you've got the, between the store and online, you do accessories. Can you tell us a little bit more about what else you have?
2: Yeah. So so we, we we actually, because of, because of our kind of reputation with rubber, we've noticed that it's quite difficult for people to associate leather with us. And we are um, hopefully later this year about to kind of relaunch our leather under a new brand. It's, it's still our brand, but just to kind of give it a little bit of its Mm -hmm. own identity, we feel like it's a shame that it it doesn't quite have its own identity. And we have, you know, a lot of talent who can kind of make some great leather They it kind of feels like we're not making advan not taking advantage of, of what they can do. Um so so that that's something we will be doing. Uh, and it, it's things like harnesses and strap work, that sort of thing. Um we also do that in-house as well. Um so there there is quite a lot of different areas of, of production that that we do as well. And and certainly um on the kind of fetish side as well with our, our workshop in in Warwick, we make furniture, we make metal work, we make you know metal restraints, all that sort of stuff. So um it doesn't often get highlighted, but it is something that um, we, we do, and we can do custom, um, stuff in that, in those kind of areas as well.
0: That's cool. Okay. I'm guessing now that I'm thinking about something else, since I have your like attention and hopefully our listeners are still in, these are two questions that we get asked all the time. And you guys are probably much better placed to answer this than I would be, because I think everybody probably at home has their own personal way of doing it. But the question we get asked really a lot is what's the best way to clean and store your rubber. Give it to me in... 60 seconds
1: um well what i normally do is i um use fill, fill the sink with some hot, uh, warm water and put some of the uh vivaclean in um, and then just give it a bit of a rinse give it a bit of a swish round uh, you can do a few pieces at a time um, and then leave it up to air dry but you need to be careful that it's obviously not exposed to the light it's not exposed to the to like uh, the air breeze air con something like that um it is a very it can be a bit of a um a volatile material so you do have to take care of it um make sure you store it obviously in a in a dark cupboard or a drawer um, you can fold it but make sure it's not like a lot of pieces stacked on top of each other because it can't stick together especially if there's like a bit of pressure on it or if it's been in there for a while make sure that it's fully dry uh, dry before you put it away powdered um, and to be honest just keep checking on it every now and then if you haven't used it make sure that it's uh, still in good condition if you haven't used it for a while why somewhere dark um, because it's affected by the light. It gets light damaged very, very easily. That's why all of our rubber is downstairs in the store. Mm. Right at the back. And we have to have UV filters and everything on the lights because yeah, it can get uh very, very damaged by the light quite easily.
0: Okay. That you just mentioned something else about powder and that made me ask the uh want to ask another question. Getting your rubber on powder? Or yeah.
1: You you can wow. use powder, definitely. Powder, to,
0: powder or silicone? How, do, yeah, you, how
1: be, do you get it on? To be honest, I more prefer the silicone. And you can either use like a silicone lube or like, a, like the Vivid Dress. The Vivid dress is quite nice because it is a little bit like thinner. It's not as like... like sloppy as like mm-hmm. a thick silicon lube yeah um i do prefer that i find it a lot easier
2: yeah i mean generally we offer um powder in store just because it's more hygienic um they're not obviously covering everything mm-hmm. can lube. definitely but but ultimately uh i think kind of and when you're at home generally speaking it's a lot easier just to kind of lube on up lube, lube, lube yourself up lube the suit up whatever you're wearing and just slide on in uh over powder anytime because also when you sweat and you have powder, a lot of powder, you can sort of get a, a sort of sweaty paste and there isn't that, it's not so great.
0: Yeah. 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 I, I have to say that I'm definitely a fan of looping up and sliding <laughs> uh, this is, a, this is This is definitely the way that I do it as well. Okay, so let's round up a little bit. So um, just between uh, the both of you, any last words for our rubber fans? And I mean, um, we want to know like, what have we what do we have to look forward to, uh, from the regulation brand, you know, apart from, we know that you've just launched a new website, but what's coming up next for you? New store, new designs. Um, what's happening.
2: So we, um, we're a very incremental kind of company. We do everything kind of step by step, slowly, uh, slowly, because um, it's just about fine tuning stuff. So, you know, mm-hmm. we have new gear, new rubber gear in the works. Obviously, we have this this new leather um, brand we're we're hoping to launch. Um, we're looking at more ways to deliver products um, worldwide um, in, the, in the kind of most efficient way we can. We want to be the the kind of more most innovative. And a kink retailer, doing all the kind of things that are kind of new and interesting um, with technology. Um, we want our in-store experience to be, uh, you know, more and more interesting. So we'll be looking at ways. Uh, you know, now that the pandemic is sort of what we hope. Or sort of come out of that um, in the next sort of you know year fully. Um, it's about kind of maybe finding ways to kind of get people in store for experiences. Uh, are there are there kind of things we can do in store, more services we can offer, that sort of thing. Um, so you know, all all of these things are kind of incremental, uh, and they don't seem groundbreaking yep. on their own. But just over the time, it's just about trying to be the best that we can be and offer the, the kind of the right products to as many people in you know the, the kind of most interesting ways that we can
0: awesome so thank you guys very much uh for um joining us on our podcast today this is of course as i said at the beginning the episode one of series two i can't believe we're already starting the new round um you know and as you guys are going to be sponsors of this series we're going to hear a lot more from you so um hopefully we'll get some other tidbits coming in um but uh pete and sean thank you very much thank you Thank you. I uh, hope you guys have a good morning, and we'll talk to you again soon. Fantastic, you too. Bye. All right.